Trading and welcome to another episode of Dog Talk. Today I want to talk about leash aggression, or also often referred to as leash reactivity. But before we get into that, a quick disclaimer on this, or on aggression in general. Whenever you deal with aggressive behaviors in dogs, hire a dog trainer. Don't try to do this yourself. Um, there is a serious risk of injury. There's sometimes a high risk of serious injury. So working on aggression yourself is never advisable, and I never advise people to do that. Hire a professional. Okay? So, leash aggression. So sometimes, um, but what does it even mean? What does leash aggression mean, or what do people um, describe when they use the word leash aggression? It is usually a dog that is acting aggressively while on a leash towards another dog or a person or something. But he's acting aggressively while he is on a leash. That is the, the, key, the key point here. And sometimes it's also referred to as leash reactivity. But reactivity is um, a very unfortunate term. It's completely uh, meaningless at the end of the day. I heard um, an ethologist, uh, Roger Branty, in a talk that I attended, um, actually making fun of the term reactivity with dogs. And it was actually kind of entertaining. But the, his point was that, uh, what does reactivity mean? It means the dog is reacting to something. Um, that seems like a good thing, because if he's not reacting, he's probably no longer alive, and we don't want that. So he should be reacting in some way. But uh, kidding aside, so when, when people say reactivity, they mean inappropriate behavior uh, towards, towards something on a leash. But let's go with the term leash aggression for, for this video. It's, it's still not very precise because it doesn't describe what exactly is happening, but it's better than, than leash reactivity. So, but it means the dog acts aggressively on leash. That doesn't mean the dog is aggressive, but he could be aggressive. There are generally two types of behaviors or two types of reasons why a dog acts aggressively while on leash. The first one, it's a fear-based behavior, and the second, it's a habitual behavior um, or ritualistic behavior, same thing. And they have both different approaches, they have both very different reasons, and we're going to talk about each of those briefly in this podcast. Now, there is, of course, the other possibility that your dog is actually an aggressive dog and he acts aggressively no matter what and the leash is completely but irrelevant to him acting aggressively or not. He just does it also on leash. So it has nothing to do with any of that, what we're going to talk about here, because he's aggressive. So that's another possibility. But if the dog's just uh, acting aggressively while on leash, then it kind of applies what, what we're going to have in this talk. So let's start with the first one, um, fear-based uh, behavior and fear-based aggressive behavior while on leash. So what we're dealing with in this scenario is basically an insecure dog who doesn't know what else to do. And the reason this usually comes about is us. It's our own, our own doing often that leads to the aggressive behavior that we're dealing with. Because when a dog is exposed to a situation an unfamiliar situation, they maybe even an uncomfortable situation, something they don't like, another dog, a person, something un unfamiliar, they basically have four ways of responding to that situation. 
they have a limited response repertoire. Um, the first one would be appeasement. Um, that could be showing signs of a body language signs that I mean no harm, I'm friendly, I have no ill intentions, um, don't mean any anything bad. I'm I'm a I'm a harmless being. Leave me alone, kind of thing. Uh, the second one is avoidance, where the dog just tries to stay away, hide behind something, wander off, but doesn't run. It's just like I'm staying away. I don't like this. So he's just avoiding the situation of the person or the dog and doesn't want to be near it. The third is flight. They actually, I'm out of here. This is not good. I don't like this. I'm gone. I'm taking off, and then fight is the last one where like this is a problem I'm gonna have to deal with this so I'm gonna attack it um, preemptively the other thing may not have done anything yet but and when I say thing it could be that's could be anything right? it could be darker person could be a trash can for all that matter so it's not really about what he's reacting to it's about he's reacting towards something and this are the responses so appeasement avoidance fight or flight flight or flight <clears throat> So if a dog is loose, or if two dogs, let's say we have two dogs and they're both loose and they're not, there's nothing wrong with them per se. They are both the way they're supposed to be. They're both normal. They're not, they don't have any, there's no screw loose, right? They're not, uh, they don't have serious behavioral issues. They may be insecure. One of them is insecure, but they have no other behavioral issues. There's no, like, nothing major going on aside from that. So in a situation where two dogs would meet, an appeasement behavior would be showing that you're harmless. You could be lying down, or you could be rolling over, showing your belly. Those would be appeasement behaviors, per se. That's the whole range. And then that would be one way a dog could show with his body language, well, I mean no harm. And the other dog could respond to that by either leaving that dog alone, or walk away, or walk in a pattern to approach and check out if the other dog feels more comfortable. But they have all kinds of communication mechanisms when they approach one another, left to their own devices. And these go away when they're on leashes. So that's part of the leash. That's where the leash comes in. But then f avoidance is like, I don't want to be near this. I'm not going to get closer. I'm going to keep a distance. And we drag him closer on the leash. You can see where that's going. Flight, same thing. A dog would run away, but he's on a leash. He can't get out of there. So when we have two dogs on leashes, and we're moving them closer and closer together, a lot of the things they would naturally do are out the window. The dog cannot show appeasement signals to the other dog, and the other dog couldn't respond to them even if he normally would. Um, the dog cannot avoid the other dog because we're walking them closer, we're making them approach one another. Hey, let's socialize. Hmm? Um, even if they normally wouldn't. And the other dog may even be respecting that if he was loose and wouldn't do any of that. But we are dragging them closer. We have two people walking their dogs closer on leashes. And then flight while I'm out of here, obviously that's also not available. When we're on a leash, so the dog can't run away. Maybe he's trying, but you're holding him back. So it's like, no, I come back here. You gotta keep going. So all these options of communication and dealing with a situation appropriately are out the window. We have removed them from the possible list of, uh, of responses by moving these dogs closer to one another or moving our dog closer to something he or she doesn't care about. What's a dog to do? There's only one option left. 
in the dog's response repertoire, and that is fight. Well, if I can't appease it, and I can't avoid it, and I can't get away from it, well, I guess I have to deal with it. And dealing with it means I'm gonna take it down because that's a problem. Huh? So you would have, for example, um, a behavior like that that could easily be created through a dog being attacked by another dog at a dog park. And it doesn't even have to get physically injured for this to happen. It could be simply the psychological effect of being overpowered by another dog and potentially losing his life and potentially getting injured, even if he ultimately doesn't get injured. The psychological trauma could be enough for the dog to not preemptively just always react aggressively because that, that seems to be the safer bet given past experiences, right? So, but even if none of that happened, I would just keep dragging my insecure dog closer and closer and closer to something he or she doesn't care about or care for, is a problem with, is afraid of, at some point the dog's going to go, well, let me just, last thing I have is aggressive behavior. So I'm going to act aggressively towards the thing. So what happens now is that owners who have their dog on leash see this behavior and it's pretty terrifying because a dog can be, especially if it's a larger dog, German Shepherd or Rottweiler or something like that, or Doberman or Pitbull, right? Um, that, that's going to look pretty serious and pretty scary. So now we're going to drag the dog away from the situation because now it's scaring us. Now we are concerned about this because this is clearly not okay. All these other things we didn't know it. All the other stuff we prevented we're not aware of. The dog couldn't do it. But he can do this. So now he's doing that and we're dragging the dog out of there. What does our dog learn? Oh, look at that. If I act aggressively towards the thing I don't like or the thing I'm concerned about, they drag me out of here. I get my space restored. That's all I wanted in the first place. Positive reinforcement 101. The dog engages in behavior. It results in the right outcome. Voila. That worked great. So I chose aggression. I chose aggressive behavior. I got removed from the situation. I got my space restored. That's what I wanted. Perfect. Next time I meet another dog, I'm going to do that earlier. Let's not even wait. I'm going to go bigger. I'm going to go sooner. I'm going to go more because this works great. So the behavior becomes more pronounced and it becomes more intense and it becomes scarier every time because the dog has learned with repetition. That worked great. Beautiful. That's my approach. So I don't have to deal with this dog or whatever it is, right? So with a fear-driven behavior, if acting aggressively leads to the space getting restored and the dog being allowed to leave the situation, most likely that behavior will become more pronounced, will become stronger, more intense, because it works well. It's a great behavior to get what he wants. When the dog wants to get out of there, aggression gets him out of there, let's do it. So that's on us uh, for, for, for dragging our dogs closer, but that's a fear-based behavior. So now we have a, a dog who's acting aggressively on a leash because he's uncomfortable with what's coming or the thing we're dragging him towards and figured out that aggressive behavior is the way to go. So when we're dealing with this, and usually when people come and hire a trainer, um, the behavior is established. That's why you're hiring the trainer. It's not like early stages. The dog just barked once and like, like, I don't know what's going on here. Let me hire a trainer. People wait, right? It's understandable. You don't want to go and spend 
significant amounts of money um, to deal with something like this, but you don't know where it's going. But it just always gets worse and worse and worse the longer you wait because the dog is reinforced every single time it reoccurs. It's like consistently reinforcing behavior. It's kind of like similar than the dog barking at the mailman. It works. The mailman leaves. The dog has absolutely no concept that the mailman would leave anyways. That his barking has nothing to do with the mailman leaving. It's a completely coincidental thing. He drops off the mail. He walks out. The dog's behind the door. It's not a problem for the mailman. But from the dog's perspective, hey, I bark at the mailman. I bark at the door. The guy leaves. Perfect. So it becomes just like more barking and more barking. The same with barking at cars. It works. The car leaves. The dog does not understand that the car leaving has nothing to do with this barking. It's just it's going away. That's beautiful. Uh, let me just bark more. Same thing. So if it works, the dog will do more of it. And it works means, in this case, I want my space restored. I want my, my space respected. This behavior gets me that, so let me do it. So when, when we address it, there's a couple of things. I don't want to go into the details and how a training plan looks like. Again, hire a dog trainer. These things can be dangerous. A dog may redirect. I mean, there's all kinds of things that can happen. But basically, you want to do three things. You want to make the dog more confident. You want to build up his confidence. And you can listen to the, um, the Fear and Anxiety podcast and how to build confidence in the dog podcast that we had. They give you a lot more pointers on how to go about something like that. But when I work with this, it's always step number one. Let's make the dog more confident. Let's make him a more confident and better version of himself before we do anything else. Let's see what we can accomplish there. And there's a lot that can be done with play, and there's all the reasons for that, why that works well. But that's the first approach. Let's see if we can build up the dog's confidence. Sometimes that's even enough. The dog is, becomes confident enough to handle the situation better. You don't have to do anything else. It's not common that it's enough, but it's possible. We've seen interesting things. So building confidence is number one. Number two, we have to show the dog that he is actually safe. This is not a situation that is actually dangerous to him. Yes, it may be unfamiliar, but we have to show him, don't worry about this. You're safe. I got this. It's not, it's not a problem. Don't worry. I have your back. You're not alone here. That's step number two. So building up the confidence, right? dealing with the, um, the situation itself, make the dog feel better about the situation, but taking some of the, the necessity for the fear behavior away. And then lastly, whatever's left, if the behavior just doesn't diminish completely doing these things, you have to penalize whatever's left. So you penalize the behavior, you attach a consequence to the behavior the dog would rather avoid. And you have to do that the right way so you don't have any fallout. So it's really about how you do all these things. It always comes down to that. Right? So if you do it all correctly, your relationship with your dog will not be damaged. Your dog will not become more fearful. Your dog will not become more aggressive and all this other nonsense that's touted out there for penalties. And, right? But if you do it right, it works just fine. So we talked about this in the punishment podcast, Ignatium. So there's lots of that on there. But it's, it's about doing it correctly. So we're building up the dog confidence. We're showing them it's unnecessary. And if we have to, there's some residual behavior left because it's become so ingrained, we may have to penalize it too. But that's the last step. That's not where we start. It's not the first thing we'll do. It would have to be like seriously dangerous to someone where you may have to reverse that. But again, a dog trainer 
would be the best option, like somebody who's really good at this, somebody who has a lot of experience. So you want someone who's been working with dogs, aggressive behaviors for like 10, 15 years kind of thing. Someone really, or has, was, comes from a really good school, like Ivan training with a conflict school or Michael Ellis's school for dog trainers or so, some kind of like really good foundational um, background where you just know you have someone who really understands dogs and understands training and understands all these things very well. So, <clears throat> but that, that's the general approach that I take. And other people will take different approaches, but that's my approach too. So that's for the fear-based variety of the aggressive behavior on leash. Now, the other one is actually interesting. Um, interesting because it's much easier to fix and has a very interesting reason. So let me start off with something that you may have seen. And if you look at the, um, the article that is in the, on the podcast um, companion page, the related article on, on this topic, there is a link to a video on YouTube. And there's multiple versions of these kinds of videos. You can just go YouTube, look, look yourself. But it's dogs behind a um, driveway gate barking at each other like crazy even some going sticking their head through the driveway gate and like it looks really like we're gonna mess each other up if that gate wasn't there it'll be like a bloodbath so it looks super intense but then the so the driveway gate has like these white bars right it's not like completely closed it's a white bar pretty open gate the dog just can't get through but they can stick their head through and go nuts and then the driveway gate opens and there's like three, four dogs on each side, or one dog on one side and four on the other, or something like that. There's so many different versions of this. And instead of now using the opening to go through and go for the dog, for the other dogs, they're just all moving with the gate and stay on the other side of the gate. And they keep barking and barking and barking. And if the gate completely retracts inside, the moment it's gone, they all just disperse in opposite directions and walk away. So they barked at each other like nutcases, like they're crazy, and then they just dispersed when the gate opened up and went away. And that baffles a lot of people why. But it's very simple, and it's exactly the same thing on the leash. We're going to get to that. So it's 100% the same thing uh, with the second type of aggressive behavior on the leash. And it's a ritualistic or a habitual behavior. But ritualistic is probably a better description. So ritualistic behavior. And what that means is it's recreational. Barking can be fun for a dog. So they, they enjoy this. They're barking at each other. They're like engaging in this um, fake fighting expression of behavior. But they're not having no intentions. There's no intensity. There's not really any intent behind any of that. There's no seriousness behind it. They're just having fun. They're having fun in a very dog kind of way that when people look at it, it's like, what are you doing? What, what is, what's wrong with you? <laughs> what's wrong with you guys? What's going on here? But from a dog's perspective, that's just a blast. They're having fun. They're having a good time. And that's a ritualistic behavior. The dog just enjoys it. And as the gate opens up, well, now it's no longer fun. I'm just going to go there. That's ritualistic. On the leash, it can be the exact same thing. So you often have dogs that will act like complete idiots on the leash and barking and standing up on their hind legs. And it's not fear-based now, it's the other variety of it. And they're doing this when they're walking with their owner, maybe even to the dog park. And 
when they see the other dog, they just act up like that. Because to, in their mind, that's just what we do. That's our recreational activity where we walk to dogs, to dog parks. We don't really like other dogs when we're together on a leash, so that's what we do. He really thinks that's what we want. So they're engaging in this behavior because they think that's what we want. That's our desire for us to, to do this together as an activity. A lot of times you can take these dogs, they go straight to the dog park and they play wonderfully with everybody else until you take them back on the leash and walk around. On the way back from the dog park, they do the same thing again. So obviously the dog's clearly not dog aggressive if you can go to a dog park and play with other dogs. That's obviously not a, the issue here. It's completely for their entertainment and they think that that is what we do. So the answer to that is way simpler. You, you have to primarily show the dog that you like other dogs. So when you, when you do this with two people, it's really you need two people to do any of this. Um, but let's say you go with your partner or friend or whoever. You go to the dog park together. And now you have your dog, it's on a leash, and you see another dog person, and your dog loses his mind or mind. Give the leash to your friend. You go over to the other person and dog and just see if you can strike up a quick conversation if the other dog owner is just up for like you petting their dog for a moment. You don't have to elaborate all of this. It's like, hey, you're such a nice dog. Could I say hello? Would it be okay if I... Um, give him a quick pet and let my dog see that. I'm trying to help him see that I like dogs. And most people will probably say yes to that um, because it's a pretty fair approach. You're not just coming and touching their dog. That would be a bad idea. Don't do that. Right? You have to ask for permission too. But it's that's what you have to do. You have to show your dogs that you like other dogs. You don't mind them at all. You don't want to be barking at them. No, I like dogs. I like other dogs. I'm friendly with dogs. Not just you, this is not okay. It's not necessary. We don't need to be doing this. We like dogs. So showing your dog that you like other dogs is an important part of that equation. It's a very overlooked part of the equation. And then the second part again is if your dog still doesn't stop and he still acts up, you, again, you penalize whatever's left. The same thing. So you go through a proper penalization process for the rest of the behavior and then afterwards help with recovery and everything. Like everything you just have to do when you penalize something. Again, just has to be done the right way to not cause problems. So as long as you do the right way, no fallout. And that's, that's all it takes with the ritualistic behavior. So these are the two types, assuming your dog isn't just aggressive in general. right? So these are the two types, fear-based aggressive behavior on the leash and ritualistically aggressive behavior on the leash. And... I personally, in my 18 years training dogs, I would say I've seen more fear-based um, behaviors, but I know that's not necessarily um, of, um, an experience shared by every dog trainer. So I'm not, I'm not, don't think that's typical per se. That's just my personal experience. That maybe that's because of where I live and the clients I have. Um, I've been working with fear and aggression for a very long time. So I'm known for working with fearful and aggressive dogs. So a lot of People who have dogs with fear-based behaviors in my area, they'll, they'll find me eventually. So it could be simply just because that it attracts more of the category of fear-based behaviors for no other reason than that. I know other trainers um, have absolutely way more of the ritualistic type. So it's not that that's, um, uh, yeah, it, the experience will vary by trainer, by area, for so many different reasons.
But those are the main, the main two types. Fear-based, because we're dragging the dot closer and closer, and we eliminated all other options, so he acts up, ends up acting aggressively because that's all that's left to do, and then he realizes, well, that gets me out of there, so it becomes more intense. Or ritualistic, the dog just thinks we like that, that's what we do together, that's our little fun activity, walking around. And high-level um, solution approaches, we've talked about them briefly, but again, hire a dog trainer. So this is something you really want to hire someone who knows what they're doing. Because this is not, um, it's not, it's not about being a leader. It's not about being this macho guy who just like hammers his dog now for the behavior. That's none of that's gonna be productive or helpful. You need to do this in a skillful manner and address the underlying reason as to why the dog is doing that. With a fear-based behavior, he's actually afraid. So the fear system in the brain, the amygdala is powered up, and it's a fear-based reaction. The dog is uncomfortable with the situation. We need to change the perception of that. If we don't make that an important or main part of the process, it's not going to work. Huh? It's not going to succeed long time. And on the ritualistic side, it's the same thing. It's a perception issue. The dog thinks that's what we want. We have to show, no, we like dogs. Dogs are friendly. We're friendly with all dogs, not just you. This is not what we do. And that goes such a long way. And, uh, yeah, so that's, these are the two types that um, you're generally dealing with. And yeah, definitely hire a trainer, don't do this yourself. There's so many things that can go wrong there. Um, you need to have a lot of experience to make sure this, this doesn't go sideways for you. Okay, um, this was it on leash aggression. I hope that was helpful and you got something out of it and I'll see you next time. Bye.